Hello, and welcome to the Truck Schmucks Podcast. The views and opinions that you hear on the show do not represent the agency or fire department that we are part of. These are strictly our opinions and our views. This also includes our guests that come on the show. With that in mind, we thank you for your continued support and sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to episode two of season two. So here we are. We're doing our thing like always. I'm not half dead this episode like last time. That was a very long day and I was very tired. The same, the same. Uh, yep. Yeah, right. We were all just wrecked. So a, here we are. Here we day. are on episode two. So as the usual... We have another guest. It's kind of our theme now. It's been pretty good. I, I definitely like having people on because there's only so many times we could all say the same stories to each other. But anyways, we have a guest again today. All you, introduce yourself, say whatever you want, say as much or as little as you want. It's up to you. My name is Booz. Hello. That is very short and to the point. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Booze, uh, tell, well, you already did the, the who, um, so you're on the job, but you're not a structural firefighter. You are a wildland guy, correct? A firm. Awesome. Yep. Um, are you a two A guy, engine guy, hot shot? What's your, what's your poison? Um, I am on a suppression module. Uh, we have a type six engine. Um, but it is a pickup that hauls water for us and hauls a pump for us. Um, with meaning we don't use that for suppression hardly at all. Um, what it does is it allows us to carry our Mark three pumps, our portable pumps, um, and all the hose we need for hose lays and stuff if we need to do that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a means of transportation to get us to the fire. Uh, so I don't really like calling it an engine crew, although we have an engine. It's more of a suppression module because of our versatility and, you know, and you know, a few times out of 10, we're getting inserted with a helicopter, a, a, you know, even more times out of 10, we're getting inserted with our hooves. Uh, so it's, I think maybe one out of 10, maybe might use that thing or spray some water out of it. It's, so I would, I would call it a suppression module. All right, cool. Um, well, thank you for uh, coming on and joining, joining us and sharing your story with us. Um, we have a lot to talk about and, uh, you know, we're going to try to do it in as, as short and unabnormally as we usually do here. We usually stretch it out and try to have a little bit of fun. Um, so how did you get started in, in fire? Did this like, did you have a parent, you know, a parent that was involved in the fire service or, or how did you get your start? Um, I started back in 2005. I was in college um, at a university in Oklahoma called Southwestern Oklahoma State University. Um, and I was trained by a BIA unit. 
I went through my fire basic with those guys and uh, I was kind of put into that situation not not totally against my free will but it was highly voluntold to me and um, so I participated uh, and I told you guys before the show I did some military training back uh, in my earlier days prior to that so I think that would have been two years earlier I'd been trained in Air Force basic training and um, I found it a little less um, intense and demanding psychologically uh, which in turn for me is physically like you're not doing anything to my mind you're not going to get the, the wheels going right if you can't if you can't uh, turn the the nose of the of the mule then you're not going to get him to go the right way and so that's the way I work in a lot of ways and um, so when I, I only bring all that up for the story of when I went through my basic fire basic training that it was uh, I had a hard time buying in to uh, it being super hardcore this guy's pushing you to do something and it wasn't a guy I respected as much as I've respected leaders in the past I mean I didn't know the guys why it has nothing to do with him personally but it just seemed kind of like man I don't know it, it wasn't as challenging as, I, as one might think uh, that has been through some other stuff so for others it is and um, anyway I wasn't a big fan of it because of some attitudes and probably mostly because of my young immature know everything attitude as well uh you know as as far as the biggest ingredient there and um yeah so progressing forward i stayed in the university i took my first job in 08 in southern california um working out of malibu primarily and at a paramount ranch for the santa monica mountains uh national rec area which is beautiful awesome and for young men a lot of fun surfing and and uh doing the things young men do and, um, yeah, I came home with a surfboard, a wetsuit, and uh, I think my last paycheck only. Uh, the rest was gone. And, uh, and by the way, coming home with a surfboard and a wetsuit, I was from Oklahoma is where I went back to. So <clears throat> it was pointless to have the surfboard there. Uh, but anyway, uh, had a lot of good fun there. I learned a lot of stuff about myself and what I'm not well at. Uh, because it was a lot of um, community wildfire protection plan writing, what we call CWPPs, um, and these places where you've got multi-million dollar homes uh, in Southern California. So it was a challenge figuring that all out and then just staying motivated to do it because, I, I, you know, since I trained in 05, I was, I was on an engine um, uh, primarily. And so I hadn't had all this other stuff and I in, in rewind it a little bit while I was with that BIA crew from 05 to probably 08 before taking that Malibu deal. Um, you know, it was all, it was all engine stuff. It was all Oklahoma. I did some burning in Kansas, burning Oklahoma, um, prescribed, prescribed that is. And then, uh, also some wild, some wildland stuff traveling up to Montana. Uh, and as well as Oregon, I'm a hand crew. It was my first hand crew, I think in 2000 seven maybe up to warm springs um so yeah it's, it was an interesting interesting road there uh from that to doing sitting at a computer desk something that i don't do well with add and my personality and so uh didn't like that too much uh didn't like driving in traffic and then in oh uh went back finished school up i think by 2010 uh, with a wildland fire uh management minor um 
And so uh, it was really neat. I had a Parks and Rec major for what it's worth, just for the conversation. Um, and then, um, yeah, just kept going. Like 2011, uh, Southern New Mexico for the Park Service out of Carlsbad, which was a lot of cool fun. Um, and you made mention of my hair and my beard. That was the first time in my uh, life that I had gotten, uh, it wasn't significant burns, but I definitely got my beard burned off on a, on a side of my hair. Uh, and that same day, um, without trying to, got dropped on with retardant. So it was like this huge, naughty, nasty, stinky mess in my face. Um, but that was a cool experience. Um, it was a busy year that year. And then, yeah, moving forward, 2012 to 13, I did Eastern Montana BLM out of Miles City District, but I was located in the most northwesterly corner of South Dakota um, at a Camp Crook. Uh, and, and all this is on, a, on engines for the most part with intermixed like crew stuff, throw together crew. Um, and then in between the, those two seasons, 12 and 13 at Montana, I went to um, the Shawnee National Forest in Southern Illinois, which is a lot like Kentucky, what you would think, or Tennessee as far as country goes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, back to Montana in 13 after the winter season. And then um, in 13, I got my first permanent on a heavy engine in Nevada. And uh, as of the assistant captain or engineer is what they call it. Uh, so I had to get a CDL and do all that stuff. But once again, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big engine that drives through the desert and we're not putting out house stuff with that stuff or structure involvement with that. Um, and then from there, uh, I, I was, I think uh, my wife and I got pregnant in 13. And then, um, so she stayed back in Oklahoma uh, where we were originally from and then uh, in 14 moved up there but uh, we raised our son there who was one for just a little while until she was ready to make a move and um, where we were there in the northern Nevada was an interesting place to raise a family uh, and that's no knock to anyone from there but uh, we just weren't from there it was it was, it was a little harder on us and uh, so then I had a, a choice like I was going hard at some jobs between uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest and Oregon and then a job in Alaska and I was going super hard for the one in Alaska. And I got a call while I was on a big fire in um, California, the King fire, I think, which housed 9,000 people, I believe, uh, which is the largest fire camp in whatever wildland fire terms history. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I took that job. I got the call in 14 while I was on that fire and I said, yes, moved up and uh, we, we got to do a sweet little, uh, house hunting adventure, a house hunting trip is what's formerly officially called for the, pardon me, for the forest service and um, fell in love with the place. And I was for a week. It's kind of all inclusive as part of a part of the deal I got to do. And then we moved up in February on the ferry. We drove from Nevada to uh, Bellingham, Washington and um, took the ferry in a, in a 2000 Subaru Forester and uh, had to have like 30 days worth of shit to uh, accommodate us for the next uh, 30 days for the family, which was interesting. Um, and we were, that trip took, I believe, two days and 22 hours or something with a nice little, uh, my wife swears that it's, um, I said this on the Anchor Point podcast, so I'll probably get double down in trouble from my wife. But uh, my wife swears it was food poisoning, which was our first thought because I hadn't been sick like that in a while. But uh, the more I like learned about cruise ships coming into coming into town here in Alaska, uh, as I live pretty close to the coast, the neurovirus happens quite often. And, you know, the, the, the cruise, uh, the cruise guests 
step off the ship and go tour the town and then they come up and see the salmon run and do all these things and then it's natural somebody around here gets sick um so that was what i thought it was but basically we stepped off the ferry uh with uh liquids coming out of both ends and um had to drive 20 so we got off in haynes so bellingham to haynes was two and that's that's through what's called the alaska marine highway which is a really neat deal um uh, state funded uh that a lot of people depend on so it's really cool and we got to take that from bellingham to haynes we get off in haynes and then so after the two days and 22 hours we drove 20 roughly 22 more hours up around through canada and then back down um mainland Alaska all the way down to the Kenai Peninsula where I've been for the last five years as the assistant captain. Wow. Holy yeah. hell. That uh, almost took up all, all of the rest of my questions. Uh, but so You've been around, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been fortunate enough to uh, fight fire in a lot of, I think, I know I've fought fire for every uh, federal agency that fights fire except for fish and wildlife, which I don't know, you maybe could knock that out because I do winter work for them now uh, next door to our forest and uh, they, they, their boundary borders us. And so we got a really good relationship. So we do a lot of work with them. So maybe you could say that, but I've worked for every agency but fish and I've worked, I believe in every region, geographical fire region, um, but region six, which is the Pacific Northwest. Although I fought fire there, I've never been employed there. I was about to say, I think ours, well, actually, I think we're part of region, I think we're region six. Maine? Yeah. Maine would be region uh, nine. Okay. I was like, I, I know we were like somewhere. Um, as yeah. You, um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm like, just looking at it, because just before we started this and I came up here, I was watching the news and um, the city of Portland, which in Maine is, one of the biggest major municipalities in the state of Maine. Um, they are three inches below normal. Um, so there are drought concerns. So, and I looking at the, the wild, uh, the wild weather, the national weather service. And they're like, Oh, the next two weeks are going to be dry. I'm like, bring it on. Um, and uh, so I, I keep, you know, I keep two sets of wildland gear in my truck um, no matter where I am, if my department gets banged out, I am hoping for another 310 acre fire, um, in the city that I live in. Um, Mike has a bad experience on that. Make it happen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's another ball game. No. And I, I mean, what was, what was your first fire? I mean, you, you've been around and you know, what was your, that first, first fire? Man, I, that's a good question that I've never had. And I've been doing this since, oh, so like 15 years. I've never had anybody ask me that. And that's a random deal because uh, everybody remembers their first fire. So let me think. I can't think of my first, first fire. I can think of my first fire on a crew. Um, so I can, I can relate to that a little bit. But um, it was a fire in Warm Springs, Oregon on, uh, we had a, it was a, you know, and, and humbly, I'm, I'm glad that I've been on a type two crew. Um, sometimes they get a lot of bad, uh, I don't know, they get a lot of bad rap because of, of certain things. But um, 
there's some decent ones out there. And I think it's just important to, you know, live in a shanty before you live in a mansion. So you know what that's like a little bit too. Um, and so it was humbling because if I would see my, if I was, you know, took the DeLorean back, back in time and, and, and watched myself, watched my behavior, watched my attitude, watched my performance, all these things that matter so much these days as I've gotten older and more mature and fire, you know, it's like you, you kick your own ass in a way, like the old ass of, of yourself, the young ass of you. Um, but yeah, I remember it. I remember it very well. Um, we had a guy, I mean, just all kinds of little, little things. I mean, and I'm sure it was a few other folks now that I think about it. Cause this story, I remember a dudes, it was in very steep country in Oregon uh, near the hood river. Um, and I remember some dude, one of the younger guys lost his hard hat down the hill and, you know, and after his leadership just told our leadership, just told us to put your chin straps on, which is not something we always wear. Um, and he didn't, and it just went all the way down, and oh. somebody had to get it. And anyway, but just all kinds of things. There was a gal that got. There's a lot of memorable, memorable, memorable things. Uh, There's a gal that got. She was on another crew, um, but they had just been paired up with this group. And there was a gal on this other crew, and she got stung by a hornet or yellow jacket, I believe, and. Um, one of the guys, this is like some wild land fire MacGyver shit here. One of the guys uh, gave her some Copenhagen, said, here, rub this on there. And I just remember being like, holy shit. I mean, is she going to do this? And I'm in the perifs, man. I'm off in the background. I'm a young man. I'm probably 20. Shoot, I'm probably 22 or 3. I can't, 21, 22. I can't remember. But um, I remember the, like, just remember, like, what the? And she did it. Say it. <laughs> and it helped as a pain reliever as like you know numb that up uh, uh, met a flighter out of there helivac and um medivac rather and so she was fine but she was i mean she i think she might have been allergic but i just remember her lip was swelling up but and she couldn't hardly take the pain and then she threw that copenhagen on there in there i don't remember how it worked and i was just like holy shit this is like a, this is my job you know travis is losing fucking mind <laughs> Just slap some Copenhagen in there. You'll be all right. <laughs> so I wouldn't say it's like legit medical advice, but when you're in the woods, I mean, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm gonna go out. Um, Copenhagen is not my my uh, my tobacco of choice, but I am gonna now go out, grab a tin of Copenhagen, and stick it in my pack in case shit. And like, just just rub a little on it. It's like putting mud on it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Don't scratch it. Don't don't rub it. Yeah, just just lay it on. It's like a maze. Yeah. So yeah, that would probably be my first fire, legit memory. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned you were on the King Fire. Um. I remember watching that on the news, and that was like, and I I just got. I think that was the. Yeah. So I just got married, and you know I was, you know, doing my thing. Um. Um, you know, with my, with the job that I had at the time. And then I was like, fuck, I want to get back in the fire. Um, and then that happened. And that, again, that just kind of just, it was like a tick bite. And I was like, okay, now, now I'm it. I want it. And then, you know, get my little journey. Um, if there was a window right here, you could see a mill. And then that really got me right back into it. And then I'm like, I want in. 
And then I was like, what is the safest job that I don't have to worry about getting cancer? Ooh, Wildland. Um, and oh, no. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that was, it was like less, we're using air quotes here, less dangerous, but it's, you know, it comes with firefighting is a dangerous job, no matter if you're wildland or structure. Um, you know, it's a dangerous, both inherently dangerous. It's, you know, no matter which route you go. Yeah. I mean, it comes with, a, I, think, I think the term of the day, at least for the feds, for us, the wildland is, um, you know, the term of the time right now is risk management. And when you've got to say that every day in your job, it's for a reason, you know, I mean, people at Walmart aren't talking about risk management. And their risk management is um, somebody who walked out with a bag of Doritos. Um, and, and our risk management is a snag falling on us or getting overrun by fire. And we have to, you know, shake and bake. Um, but, or in a structural fire worrying about flashover and, and, you know, but my thing is, is I get to be outdoors is I'm constantly doing something in the same thing. I have ADHD. I can't sit still like right now you can't see it, but my feet are fidgeting. Um, but I get to do something that I love to do, which is talk about fire. Um, which is one of the greatest things I actually tell people all the time. I'm like, my hobby is now becoming my third job. Um, it just the amount of time that I'm dumping into it and I love it. Um, but the, the King fire that I, oh, getting back to see, we, there's that rabbit hole. We loop through it and come back to it. What was that fire? Like, like, um, it was, it was, uh, so let's see, let me, let me, let me put myself there. It was 2014. It was September, I believe. Yeah. Um, it was, man, I gotta tell you, I, I, that was not a fun fire for me. I, um, it was, I had, we, we picked up, a um, somebody different that was on my crew on my engine crew that year. We picked up for that role. There was a guy, I believe my temporary seasonal was, um, off on off days or something. And there's this other guy who hadn't got to go out yet on a fire. Uh, off district so it was kind of his turn in the rotation so we took this dude and, and he was he was luggage in a lot of ways um, at the same time he's a human being so you make do with what you have and you try to overcome that stuff and try to elevate and uh, you know encourage those people why you have them at least mentor them in that way but this guy was luggage and he was an older dude he was back older than me but I was uh um, doing some trainee stuff where I was in charge. He ended up, we end up getting night, night shift, which sucks. Usually most of us don't like that because, uh, number one is you don't get much for rest and recovery uh, because you're sleeping in the day. And then, you know, at a fire camp, everything's going on around you still. Uh, and even if you have a place to go sleep, it's still a lot of in and out traffic or a lot of doors shutting or whatever. So it's hard on yet, let alone you're not getting to do the purposeful work uh, at night. So it wasn't, it wasn't extremely fun. Uh, and I just remember having some bad experiences with folks that you close your eyes and hope and pray and not pray, but hope and wish that are on your side when we're all out there together. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to, it's hard to pin the occupation uh, in these critical protesting times, but it wasn't a fire 
it wasn't fire folks that were giving us grief. Um, we're talking about parking, just parking and figuring stuff out at camp. And there were a lot of other, um, I'll put, uh, a lot of other personnel that weren't fire and that weren't just camp personnel. If you get my drift. Oh yeah. Um, that were being awful lippy and, and authoritarian in a way of, you didn't need to be that way, man. We're, we're all here for a common goal and a mission. And, uh, I just don't believe in that. <clears throat> the, and so, uh, I didn't have a good experience. And, and so that was before I came to Alaska, I talked to my Alaskan buddies up here that I ended up working with and then some from other places and they went down there, but for sure there was this guy I worked with and my unit that I'm with now, they sent a crew down a 20 person hand crew type two IA crew. Um, and we're loading, getting launches, doing something on the bus. There was this big line and somebody jumped like they were on a, um, uh, contracted out bus. Uh, and he, the dude who's a senior firefighter, which is, you, you got your captain, you got your assistant captain and you got like a lead or a senior. This guy was that guy. So he's like third in whatever, I, I guess, if you, if you want to think in hierarchy ranking. And he, I mean, but he's a sound dude. He's older than me too. And he's, he's just as qualified, if not more. And he gets off the bus and gets yelled at by this guy in a certain occupation. And it's just it's like, yo man, I'm like, I'm here like trying to get lunches for us or trying to do something so we can, and uh, just like no understanding. And I get it. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. I mean, I remember watching when we finally got into that place to check in on before day one, it was like, we were waiting out the highway streets behind strike teams of structure engines and task force of wildland engines and all these things. It was just so crazy. And then the drive around the canyons, there were, and I think it was the American river right there. And th there were vehicles of us, like what, wh I mean, of, of, of resources on the incident that went over the edge. They had to redirect. I mean, we're talking like, I don't know how big the drop was, but it was definitely, it's like movie stuff. There were some jackass, uh, uh, nitro circus send it stuff and you're going straight down for a, a cool minute and um, luckily no one died because of those accidents but I, while I was there there were three people that went over the edge and we're talking alleys alley alley size wide uh, mountain roads that were access uh, for ingress and egress it was it was a crazy deal so you, you mentioned earlier that that one stung you that you missed it don't 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 that one sucked bro yeah, I that one didn't that one burn until like well past Christmas or or am I thinking of an another large candle? Uh, that one burned past Christmas. Um, there's a chance because it was so large, but by the time I left, things were kind of cooling out. But um, you know, when you go from nine thousand people to whatever you end up going to, you, you don't do that overnight. So no. it could have very well been you know, uh, in monitor status for a, a really long time, but they did have the Thomas fire that went really, really long. I believe that was maybe 18. I, I, I could be incorrect. Yeah. Cause I was actually talking to one of the private contracting companies and that was the other fire that I was like, damn, I, I, I want in on that. And, you know, just watching it on, you know, David Muir. And I'm like, yeah, for some odd reason, he, ABC does really good wildland coverage. I don't know what it is, but, and then I was like, damn, I, I, I want in, I won't, I, you know, what, what do I need to do? And, and, you know, luckily enough, my wife, she was, she was all in, um, at that time. And, 
I just never, never could get the pieces to fall in the line and it is what it is and things happen for a reason. Um, but it just, when you watch those large campaigns and you're like, you, you, you sit, you feel like, like you're fucking useless. You got the certifications to go out and do it. And it's like, I'm here and I need to be there helping my brothers and sisters out so they can get some sleep. And here I am feeling like a frog on a log doing nothing except sitting there and being like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, and the same thing with that 310 acre fire that was here. I felt like, like piece of shit. I got the certifications. I could probably, probably know mutual aid companies that were, you know, fighting that fire and walk right on and be like, Hey, yeah, you guys know me. Um, but you know, I, I love wildland. Uh, these guys, uh, it, I, I, I bore these guys with, with how nerdy I get talking about this stuff. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you really love the job to stick with it. And it's definitely not an easy job, you know, being gone for, you know, 14 to 21 days at a time, maybe longer. Um, you know, we were talking to Abby, our previous guest on the previous episode, you know, her husband, you know, he's, he's in California works for one of those departments that does a little bit of both. Um, and just, it was, it was interesting listening to a wife's perspective of, of this job. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, I mean, you could make a, a couple of seasons interviewing wives and, uh, what they think of their husbands being gone for a long ass time and then dealing with, you know, <clears throat> we talk about all the physical exertion and all the physical arduous, uh, you know, um, uh, things we do, but the, I think the biggest thing, and this is another kudos to Brand, uh, to the anchor point podcast is, um, and once again, I'm happy to be involved in, in some of those things on the inside and in the, in the background and under, under the table, but, um, the mental health deal, it's like, it's, it's crazy, crazy for us because, you know, the military, they've got, they, I don't want to say they've got, uh, things in place for that because I don't think that it's still very good. I feel bad for the folks that, you know, even in, in like, for instance, the national guard, like when I was done with basic training, like I remember a bunch of guys being worried. This was 2004. So we were 2003, 2004. So we were still hitting hard over there in the middle East and stuff. And I remember these guys like just scared to death, like they're going over there and they even signed up to, to be where we are together right then in that moment. And uh, I just remember being like, good luck guys. Like I'm going back to Oklahoma back in those days. I'm going back to Oklahoma and, uh, I got to go in for like 30 days and one week and a month after that as a guard, as a national air guard dude. And, um, but they go over there for eight months and, and they're with their comrades and they come back and that's a long ass time um, to be gone and to be out of the, the, the routine with, it seems like I, I saw Mike getting at least handed those uh, Pringles he was eating from some nice young lady, I'm sure. And uh, we've all got people that like, depend on us monetarily financially and stuff we've also got people that depend on like us being physically and mental healthy and and um i'm not sure what structure has in place but the more i hear it sounds like it's a little better than us but we're just now trying to figure this stuff out which is a big huge step in the right direction but um the my so i did in 2017 we're talking about days gone and like the effects of coming home 
And uh, in 2017, I did a 90-day detail as a captain and went amok on a, on, on a heavy engine and just kind of rotated around as heavy equipment boss and captain. But I helped those guys out for 90 days. And um, that shit's hard. And then, uh, you know, being, being I've got a six-year-old now. He would have been four or five then. And, uh, you know, it's like seeing a tree grow in a picture, like you left it as a sapling and you come back and it's, you know, old growth almost with your kids. And that does something to you, let alone like, you're not there. I mean, we're all men. And uh, at least today on this show, like we're all men and like, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of dependence. And I don't think that that's bad to say. I think it's both ways. I depend on my family for sure. I'm, I'm, I get super lonely uh, when I, Dave Chappelle was talking about him coming back off the road. Um, you know, when he was, when he was just getting started, Dave Chappelle was saying like, yeah, well, Hey dad, you know, you're talking about his kids getting off the bus. It's like his dad, his kids come running out there and telling him like how much they miss him. Oh dad, tell us about your travels. And then as he's gotten like, you know, older and uh, been doing the comedy game for long enough. And he said he came home off of his last tour and to an empty house, he stepped off the bus and no one was there. And he said it was like super lonely and it is man. Like it's nice to get one day to like sleep for 12 hours and regain your like consciousness. But um, I just remember him saying, him saying like it, it hurt him and it burned him. And I understand that like whatever. And then you get these comments. He said, his son said, uh, Oh look, here comes Mr. Broken Promises fresh back from tour. And that's what it feels like sometimes, you know, like you get, you come home and you're pumped that you made your family some good money and you help some people like, whatever safe structures from from uh, or natural resources from burning and and kept a fire in check and blah 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 and you come home and chores are stacked and and you, your wife your kid wants to see or your husband wants to see whatever it is and and then the mental like settle back in that shit's hard so for instance 14 days even 21 30 days that's not 90 days and then last year i did 120 days uh you know and that's right after i did the 90 day detail the year prior so I've been gone a lot, but I just know that uh, when you come home, it's it's a it's a it's it's a it's an adjustment. I mean, um, just to just to get out of crew mentality, just to get out of like fire speak and jargon and mindset of like super objective. You try to, I mean, you guys are probably used to this too with medicals and all kinds of stuff. But you try to stay out of the your mind, like you really cut the cut the extension cord to your subjective uh, conscious of, of, of understanding that you're looking at somebody dying right in front of you or somebody's house is burning, but you don't have time to think about that. You got a job to do. And so you got to get up there and, and, you know, extract some water or, or put some water on some stuff. And the same thing's true with us. It's like, I mean, in Alaska, you can go, well, I mean, a typical role for us is you got your 14 days of operational tour duty in a certain, certain speak. And then you've got like a day or two of travel on each side. So, I mean, typically the, the whole first part of the role is, is acclimating and getting used to things, which your mind has no time to think about subjective, whatever. I don't care how in love you are with some brand new honeymoon stage, you know, significant other, or, you know, you're, it's hard. And, and then, and then at the very end, like now you're going to cut the ties with all these people that you've just gotten used to. You just settled in kind of mentally, psychologically, and now you got to go home and see your family, which we all want to do. There's, there's no bitching about that, but the bitch is it's, it's hard. And um, I think it's misunderstood. And I think it's, it's, it's commonly misunderstood and misinterpreted and, 
and it affects us. I mean, our, like our su suicide rate in wildland has gone up exponentially, uh, as well as like, I mean, heavy drinking or, or drug use or whatever it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what needs to happen, but I definitely think the conversations need to be there. At least we need to be hyper aware. I mean, and since COVID, it hasn't been any better. Now it's even more isolated with that certain crew or, or maybe the temporary seasonal that you used to start in April or May doesn't get to start till June. So now there's financial worries and then whatever else stress comes in society with whatever else is going on with all this stuff. So I think that's the big, the big, I don't know, I won't say the big killer, but it's the, it's the silent one for sure. I talked to Brandon at the anchor point about this stuff. I, I think yeah. that's the big deal. Yeah. That's um, one of the, you know, foundation cornerstones of, of what we're trying to do. We're trying to talk about that elephant in the room um, because, you know, in, on, in the structural side, you know, it, it used to be heart attacks or, you know, cardiac arrest incidents, you know, and now suicide, it's, it's now creeped into, you know, above cancer and cardiac incidences, a killer of structural firefighters because we see all that dark shit. And I, I hate reading or getting the, the secret list and hearing about firefighters killing themselves. You know, Blake, Blake over at uh, Nextrung, he's doing great things. Brandon's doing a hell of a job doing his thing on the Anchor Point podcast. I think every, I think every, like every, like it seems like every 10 episodes there's a doctor coming on talking about mental health and it needs to happen in first responders, no matter what, you know, you know, what level of first responder type job you have it's it's there and we need to get out of this rough exterior of we're men we can't talk about shit you know or you're not supposed to let shit bother you motherfucker yeah you're human i was gonna say it's called being a human fucking being yeah it's, i mean it's okay agreed and i and I, don't, I don't think it's just i don't think it's just you know male and not female i mean it's got to be worse to be female and and deal with these things out on the line that males don't have to deal with, let alone the, I don't want to say inequality, but whether, whether it's, where there's equality, there's still a stigma or there's still a, uh, there's still something there that may not be able to be identified or touched an attitude or a, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it being any easier and let alone having a family and that stuff too. And, 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 you know, <clears throat> with us, with, with the dude, with the dude half or whatever, the males of, of us, I mean, we all can typically get together and drink with our buds. And there's a lot of males in the industry and that goes for structure too. But I just don't think there's a lot of females in the industry. Um, so that isolates that, that psychological dilemma uh, again, you know, and so now there's less people for maybe those females to talk to, especially if they're not tied with, uh, the guys or if they're struggling with something there. And I, even if they are tight with the guys, I mean, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a commonality, there's a common struggle, there's a common um, mentality and, and com camaraderie with, you know, a female to female relationship to where they can say something that way and feel free to, rather than just being like, yo, I work with 19 dudes on this crew and I'm the only female. I love all the guys or whatever, but, you know, I mean, there's problems that they may not want to say, or, I mean, just like we wouldn't, you know, if we were the only guy on a 19 female crew or something. And I think, I think, the, I think uh, I'm, I'm really proud and like really stoked for the gals and 
in wildland fire these days. I think they're doing a cool job and I think we're coming around in a, in a neat way to, to, to help promote and elevate that as well. Oh. But I, I do, I do think, um, you know, back, back, back full circle around to the point is I think, I think first responders and wildland included, there's a psychological, uh, hurdle and I don't think it's completely understood. And, and I, you know, the, the survey that was put out, um, uh, I'll keep it anonymous, but I helped share it. And, uh, I thought there were some brilliant questions on there and some that really, uh, I don't know, made me take heed to, uh, in my own, in my own life, as far as like some shit that, you know, I, I don't even like mentioning publicly here, but some stuff that makes you think deep down for a second, you know, that stops you in your tracks and really puts uh, human, your human existence uh, existentially into perspective uh, with a question that says, do you have trouble talking to people uh, that aren't in fire? Do you have trouble, uh, you know, do you still talk to your old friends? Do you have trouble being in large groups when it's not fire? Do you have trouble being in large groups? You know, all these things. I mean, these are, these are, these are, you could do the same survey and, and switch military jargon in there and all these troops would have, I mean, there's, I wouldn't say similar statistics, but there's a lot of things that are spiked the way they, they would have them spiked, you know, in, in, a, yeah. in a bar graph or something. So I, I think, I think that's a, that's a cool thing that's, that I'm happy to be like a, a, a part of in some, some capacity, but I think it's even bigger and, and more humbly said, I think it's bigger than than that and, and me for sure but i think it's i think it's a big step i think it's a big huge step and i'm, and I'm happy for that yeah the, the way i look at it and travis bagels feel free to jump in um and share your view on this but you know we're here our, there are brothers and sisters that are not here that that felt like they had no other way out and it's our job to to not forget them and to make sure it doesn't happen to the next brother or sister um, and that, that's, that's, that's how I see it. It's, it's our job to talk about it, to make sure that it is okay. I, I, I mean, we, the, th the three of us, we were on a pretty significant call and, you know, we were actually, we were each other's support system for a long time and still are. And that's, that's the reason why we, the three of us have become so tight. Um, it's almost like we're three brothers from three different moms and dads. Um, we fight like brothers and, you know, I kind of made the analogy this past week. Um, we're like the, we're like the fucking Eagles and the and Motley crew kind of made a love child and the three of us popped out. Um, you know, we, we fight and we don't talk for a couple of days and it's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. I love it you. It wasn't a day. It wasn't a couple of days. It was like overnight. Not a couple of days before. Um, but at the end of the day, we're there for each other. You know, when we kind of know when each other's having a bad time and that's, that's, that's what I want. That's what the fire service is about. It's about being there for your brother. It doesn't matter if you're structural or wildland, you know, we're a brotherhood. The thin red line is, is more than just a structural thing. It's, we all do the same job. We fight fire. You know, some of us get to do it with 45 pounds of gear on our back and the others have to do it with you know, 60 or a hundred extra pounds on our back. And, but luckily enough, I get to be part of both worlds living in the, you know, type of country that I, I live in. So I would, I would say to you, um, you know, I think something that 
separates the two factions here that we're talking about structure and wildland is something we don't get um, is most of the time, I mean, besides region five, which is California, and then some of uh, like your Southern regions and places, but you guys, for the most part, you go to work, you're there for, I mean, at least to my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, shake your head and nod at me, but um, at least in my understanding, I had a roommate that was structure uh, when I was in Oklahoma and uh, 24 hours on and then two days off, how it all works, but 10 days a month, right? And you go back and there's Travis and there's my, you know, it's my hope to, to uh get a shift or two in um, how it all works, you know, get lucky where you guys get to work together. And so for us, it's six months, maybe eight months of every day looking at your buddy's ugly mug and seeing his snot bubbles and pimples and same thing. Your, your home girls on the crew too. And so you, it's almost like living with these people as best buds and, and family for a, for a half the year. And then guess what? See you, Travis, see you, Mike. Uh, you guys, you guys are going to go home across the country or go travel to Mexico or whatever. And I might be staying here and you guys are all gone. Yeah. And so it turns into this psychological thing, you know, even the person that's going out and traveling, I mean, there's nothing they wouldn't do for those comrades if they called them up, but it's still different in that regard. And, and so you don't have the crutch to be pissed off at your buddy, you know, 12 months out of the year, you can only be pissed off and, and have happy love, nostalgic moments for six months out of the year and you jam all that down you, you read you read 12 months of books in six months and then all of a sudden you don't get to read for six months and that's going to affect your mind man and i think it does and we're figuring it all out yeah. as we go it seems travis your your hamster wheel's turning i see it well it's just like i should have said this a little bit earlier when I when it popped up in my head it's just how do I want to word this it was along the lines of everybody being their support person you know their support system and stuff like that and uh, I feel like what really lessens that to a certain degree is those those factions you know I'm not going to go off on a rant because I could but are you volunteer are you union are you this are you that are you wildland are you structural it's just like those i mean when we start talking about supporting one another those walls need to come down because what it comes to is we're all doing the same thing mind you it may be different we're still doing the same thing and it, why why can't we be there together like that people talk about it used to be I've personally, in my experience, I've seen it where it's that whole family thing is non-existent. They, there's targets on your back. And as soon as you go to turn your back, somebody comes up and they'll slit your throat. But I've also had the experience where you're the brand new guy and people, and people are like, calm down. You know, hey, you just, you, you can come sit with us, you know. But I kind of watch that i'm just saying like when it comes down to supporting each other those walls agreed and and i'd like to piggyback on that too travis i've had nothing but great experience with the structure guys that come over to our uh you know that, that 
convert over and, and get to come play, as I like to say. Um, I was on a fire in North Carolina in 2016, and I had a I had one of my Alaska crews, a uh, 20-person crew, Forest Service crew, and um, those guys were awesome, man. Out on the line, all the all the structure guys were stoked to see us, stoked to talk to us, and just like uh, you know, just like you guys, they wanna. I mean, they're worse. They're just as bad as John, you know, tweaking out about wanting to be on the wild the wildfire line you know and uh asking us stuff and 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 what can we help what can we haul in for guys what can we do and you know i i never i want to get those guys involved because i believe yeah i believe what you're saying travis i think i think whether you articulated in what you wanted to say or not i, I thought you did a good job I, I think it's we are all kind of the same there um whether you know, if you're a cop, right? If you're a cop, I mean, you might be a beat cop, you might be an investigator, you might be a detective, you, who knows, undercover. Well, it's the same mission, right? So, like the King Fire, there's tons of structure guys there. And this fire I'm, I'm, I'm referencing out of North Carolina, those guys did awesome. And if it wasn't for the structure guys, like it would have been game over anyway. And that's the way Wildland guys look at it. I guess, I guess, I hope I didn't uh, paint a bad picture of what I was trying to say. But I guess the, I guess the problem I was, I was hoping to articulate earlier was, I think we envy collectively, maybe, I, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I think I envy, uh, in my mind, like, what would it be like to, I mean, and I got it in my unit because I've got a solid unit where the quality of life is, is good. So people aren't like up and down and lateral and moving. It's uh, it's, it's very structured. I, I say this a lot where my, my unit, so we, in, in my million acres of one engine. Okay. We got one fire, legit fire crew. We have a fuels crew that is now in supplementing our fire responsibilities, which is just another, basically a, a slide in unit pickup uh, type six, but we don't have a heavy fire load. And so you're not going to get a hot shot. Most of the time, you're not going to get a hot shot uh, type of mentality that expects to be on fire here 24 seven. Uh, does it suck sometimes that we don't get as much fire? Yeah. But you know, it doesn't suck as having a freezer full of fish and, uh, and moose meat and whatever. But um, I think, I think with all that said, like my unit is very structure looking in the hierarchy because it doesn't change. It's like, I know in structure fire, it's, it's, uh, you're not moving up some in a lot of really quality of life places. You're not moving up till somebody retires or dies. That's what we used to say in, uh, when I was in the air guard till somebody retires, retires or dies and neither, and you know, and obviously dies, you don't, you don't shoot for that, but the boot, the boot on your throat for competition exists there. And in my unit, it doesn't. And so I'm super grateful and thankful for that. But um, I do also think like the structure folk, I mean, they're just as important as the helicopters and they're just as important as the V lats that are dropping very large air tankers that are dropping in California that are the air quote state bird there. I mean, it, every, it, it's the common mission. And I, I think they're, when I say factions, I don't mean to put up a Berlin wall there. I do mean to say that, you know, there are pros and cons to each side and, and I'm just trying to identify that and compare them, but um, definitely much respect and, and definitely I've always been 
super thankful and pumped when you guys show up and are like foaming at the mouth to get busy with us. So that's a that's a sweet thing that I've noticed from the structure side that that definitely goes unspoken for sure. And I think there's a kudos there. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, so my next question, and I think we may have may or may not have already hit on it. Um, but what's the best part about, you know, wildland firefighting? Um, besides the obvious, you know, you get to, you get to travel and get to see some really nice parts of the country. Um, well, uh, the presumed nice parts of the country, but you're going into, you know, shit that's burning. So, I mean, what, from your perspective, what's the best part about your job? The job. Yeah. I'll, I'll be specific from my perspective. Like I'll just give you the best part of my job as a wildland firefighter in Alaska. Uh, and then I'll try to be general too in a little bit, but or in a little bit of a way, but <clears throat> I think first of all, you nailed something travel. Um, we're putting our logger boots and hiking boots for some folks where people haven't touched the ground since, I don't know, maybe Lewis and Clark days in some regards. Uh, I was on the Grand Canyon, so I did a detail last year for Flaming Gorge Wildland Fire Module. It's a type one fire module, which for all intents and purposes and for what they used to be called, uh, they're a fire use module. So for instance, you have a wilderness fire, these people are monitoring and taking stats, yada, yada. They're not beating out the flames. And um, yeah, I was on the North Rim of the Grand Canyon and I got to go to some places. It's, I don't know, I got to take a helicopter ride for free over the Grand Canyon and um, not for free. I got paid actually uh, as, a, as part of the leadership of that crew. And these are special moments, man. And, and, you know, in Alaska, it's, it's, I don't know, it's an epic job, dude. There's a lot of suck and there's a lot of embracing the suck. And my term is that I've trademarked uh, from a, a guy that's a good buddy of mine and learned me a lot of Alaska ways. My, 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 my leader uh, where I'm at now, so I'm the assistant leader, let's put it that way. And my leader, uh, we went on a hike uh, when I first got here in 2015 and we went up and through this hemlock stand and everyone knows Alaska is beautiful and stuff and everyone also knows Alaska as buggy and so I've got a hoodie like a zip up hoodie on and you guys have all seen Christmas story I can look at your age to know what Christmas story is and you remember the little brother who says I can't put my hands down and I gotta go pee okay that's kind of what I look like in this hoodie yeah exactly uh, John. and so um and so I'm, I'm hiking up this thing. These, first of all, that, that lead, that senior I spoke of earlier, he and my captain were, uh, were hiking for PT. They're both in short sleeve shirts and it's like 50 degrees, 45 degrees, but you know, it's better to start out without the layers. So when you sweat, you you don't have to de-layer. So I get that. But right when we stepped out of the, the truck, it's like you're getting carried off by bald eagle sized mosquitoes with barbs and uh, I'm not stoked. Like, so I just like, I'll just, I'll be uncomfortable sweating. I'll be happy with that. And, uh, and so I throw my hoodie on, I do the, and where I brought the Christmas story, I like tie the knot or, I mean, like literally you can see this much of my face. Uh, and for those that are audio, you can see my cheeks to my eyes uh, and a little bit of my forehead. When I came out of there, my shit was swollen up like 
I look like elephant man with a hoodie on and you couldn't see the rest of my face besides like, you know, six, uh, circumference, uh, worth of inches. And, um, yeah, these guys are walking up there and hacking, like breathing and taking in mosquitoes and white socks and flies and hacking and just keep hiking. Don't fucking stop. They're not like uh, dry heaving like your uh, weak hypochondriac buddy who's on the trail who's like, oh, I think I'm going to throw up. And he stops and trips in the process and then starts throwing up. One th no, they just keep going. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't keep these bugs out of my face, out of my nose, out of my... And uh, anyway, we wrapped that whole hike up. It's miserable. My face is swollen. And I remember like, this sucks. And I asked my captain, I'm like, dude, you're in short sleeves. And we're just kind of getting to know each other at this point. And now we're great, great friends. And uh, I was like, how do you do that shit? How do you just walk with no sleeve, whatever, short? He's like, booze, you just got to find your Buddha sometimes. And so that's like a big deal of mine. Like embrace the suck. You just got to find your Buddha. And that's what Alaska is. So like, I think, you know, to answer your question, that was a rabbit hole of a roundabout, but I think to answer your question, I think it's my favorite part of the job, if I must not state the obvious of traveling and like camaraderie and, and the cool, neat things that we get to do and see. I think there's something in like suffering and being okay with it that is a lot different than any other job. It's a lot different than, uh, uh, you know, in a lot of other places even. I mean, there's a lot of suck, you know, hiking from, 2,000 to 6,000 or 8,000 foot elevation down in the Great Basin for sure. And then carrying a QB, a box with a five gallon bladder of water ended up for everybody. That sucks. I mean, that fucking sucks. But there's also a lot of suck in not being able to eat your sandwich because you're inhaling mosquitoes and then rolling your ankles because you're walking on tussock in the swamp. I mean, you were before we came on and Travis got here, you were talking about um, that fire you really wanted to go to and then you, or I, I believe you were on and you had to walk through this like swamp like uh, boot deep or knee deep and I was just like dude that's every fire up here and so it's you, you end up tackling things I think my favorite job is I'll, I'll just try to say it like this you end up doing things you never you could have thought you could have done uh, with encouragement and with like a peace of mind and like learning in the process uh, it's, it's, it's like if your dad or your father-in-law, somebody you're trying to impress to steal his daughter away or hand in marriage. And he says to, 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 to win me over, you got to build you guys a house. You got to build my daughter a house. And you're like easy. And then you, uh, have never built a fucking house, but you're, you got to do it. And so it's, there's, 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 there's something valuable about learning that along the way. There's something valuable about embracing that suck while you're building that house. You don't know how to build with Travis and Mike there and you guys slam it all up. And you know what, by the end of the day, it's like, this isn't half bad. And, and you know, that suck we were bitching about earlier, like that was kind of fun. And uh, let's drink some beers and talk about that. And you got, you laugh your ass off. And, and even because of all that, like you draw you closer. I think that's a, a special thing in our game as first responders. And I think for sure about being in the woods with a bunch of strangers and relying on these strangers for your life and for washing your back and stuff. And, um, and then of course the obvious, like working with aviation, that shit's always fun to me. For sure. yeah. But I think the people, I think the people in this game, um, the people in my industry are what make it worth it for sure every day. Yeah. Uh, and as you're talking, I'm like, man, that's, 
And I'm sure the movie Only the Brave is for Wildland guys is like watching Backdraft for us. I mean, you can pick out the the stupid nonsense shit. Um, But there's a scene in that movie that kind of, you know, kind of like pinpoint you like nailed it on the head. It's like when they're sitting there and they're, they're in that gorge and they're just watching the trees fall down into the Canyon. It's like this, they're like, you could just tell that they're like, this is why we do this job. We get to sit here and watch this cool ass shit be in this nothing place. And you get to be there with your fire buddies doing, you're there with your fire buddies doing fire shit. Yeah. And, 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 you said something funny there, so I've never even seen that movie. Really? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask Travis and, and Mike if, if you guys have seen Backdraft. Is there anybody you guys know that, I don't want to say refuses to see those movies, but that just doesn't out of natural action? Anybody? Uh, I will actually say yes, we all three of us do. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> not make it tonight. Um, we actually um, brought on um, a female firefighter. Um, uh, her name's Stephanie, and uh, the little white claw right here is yeah. animal. her stand-in. <laughs> her stand. Um, and, the basic, the basic white girl drink. Yep. And <laughs> that was like, hey guys, ain't no laws when you drink the claws. Never seen it. I'm like, you're a firefighter. And you've never seen Backdraft. What the fuck? There, uh, yeah. I get it. I get it. Though, like it's, it's hard, man. I mean, it, when you. So like what, you know, we were talking about anchor point and all that stuff. I think there's a uprise. I think there's a, 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 a peak. There's definitely an apex right now. Of like, and it's good and it's bad, but mostly it's good. Uh, like attention to the wildland community um, because most of us don't care for attention and the ones that do get flack for it. And the ones, you know, there, it takes a, it takes a unique select to really draw attention and, in a cool light to be accepted. And when Hollywood makes a movie about what you do, you just naturally roll your eyes. And I'm not like rolling my eyes on that story, but I just never seen it because um, I don't know. Number one, I know like, I remember exactly, I mean, it's 9-11 stuff. You remember exactly, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. It's not something I necessarily want to really relive and I've had nothing to do with it uh, as far as like personal uh, uh, connections to that. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think there's probably some really good stuff in there. And I think uh, Josh Brolin uh, is a good actor and all that stuff, but um, I don't know. It's, it's just like, I, I think in a refresher I put on one time for, uh, you know, we got to do refreshers for, for wildland every year we do the pack test plus like watch some videos and make sure everybody knows how to toss a fake shelter and all that stuff. But one year it was very soon after that incident, that tragedy, that fatality, uh the weather channel did a, a, a they did like a little uh show on it, a little documentary on it 22 or three minutes plus commercials for the network um and the weather channel put that on they did a good job but i'm putting that on and it's super i mean it's like watching somebody you knew and not new but somebody that you knew you could know um and then watch a 9-11 documentary for you structure guys especially you east coast guys and you just don't, I don't know, you just don't want to think about that. And so uh, I remember watching this and I'd already watched the Weather Channel documentary I'm speaking of. And it was super like tearjerker in a way. You really had to dodge some like emotional manhood stuff, um, let alone fire, wildland firefighter mentality of like, don't show weakness. 
uh, in a way. And I hated watching, there was this gal in there, this older gal who, who wasn't primary fire. She was just like support to do uh, whatever. I don't remember the, the resource that she was actually going to be, but she was an older gal, probably in her fifties or sixties. And I just remember watching her like go through Kleenexes, man. And it made me feel so bad. And let alone that, that watching that shit, it's like hits home once again, that psychological effect. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I get it. But um, there definitely is that camaraderie. Like this makes it all worth it. Like us all with our boots in Alaska, with our boots wet and mosquito bites all over our face and, and hadn't had a shower in 16 days and I can smell you and you can smell me, but you're cooking for me at night in this camp where we sit around around a fire underneath this tarp with the Brooks range or the Alaska range uh, in the background. You're telling some stories or getting to know somebody who's from Maine and you're from California or Oregon or Oklahoma. It doesn't matter. And there's something really special about that. And it, it, I think it, I think it takes that removal and that suffer and suck uh, unanimously and, and like uh, as a collective to, to get to there for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I inadvertently wanted to bring up that. Um, I know for wildland guys, that's a, that's a pretty tough thing to talk about and, and stuff, but you know, and you got movies like Firestorm and Playing with Fire with John Cena. I Let's mean, talk about I, Firestorm. That's a great uh, critically acclaimed film. I mean, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. Um, you know, when I'm like, man, it's, not, it's, it's horrible, but it's hilarious. Um, yeah, I'm like, this is this is terrible. This does not depict a wildland firefighter. But all right, it's good cinematic. You know, you know, a good watch. But you know, Playing with Fire, it, I, I, that one, it definitely is like the backdraft of of wildland. I'm like, I refuse to see that fucking movie. Um, it's probably a good, yeah. I know people who have seen it. They say it's really good. I'm just not watching it. Um, yeah. Firestorms are go-to. It's like, um, that's I don't a, know. That's got, because, that's, because like, you know, we all have sense of humor is at least in the shit. We, that's how we deal with stuff is our sense of humor. And it might be morbid, uh, and more morbid for the folks that are in the real darkness dealing with shit. But, uh, that's like our go-to fun, make fun of doc what we what i would think a quote for a documentary on fire to laugh at like that shit's funny um yeah. but yeah i mean it, I, I i showed my son the oh shit fire fire planes or fire aviation whatever the oh yeah the uh the little pixar movie uh begged me and i we don't watch stuff very often we're not super tv oriented people just because we live here and like it's easy to find plenty to do outside and learn yourself that way. But uh, we watched it and I thought it was good, man. And so like I had had this idea, I've got a book idea, which I've, I've been working on as well. Um, but it, it, it kind of validated that, that book idea I had for some stuff, but that's the kind of stuff. I, I mean, I just think we're getting more, I don't want to say more notoriety uh, in, in like an inflammatory uh, unhumble way but I think it is coming I think it is coming around to most people's uh, peripherals if not right in front of them we're getting a little more uh, in the open which is not a bad thing. no I mean you know when everybody talks about the fire service and I always I'm the first one to jump on and be like hey there's more to the fire service than just running into a burning building you know there are guys that are jumping out of airplanes into fires and you know you know spiking out and and li literally living out of a pack for 14 days. And, and I was like, man, that, that's the life. I'm an outdoors and guy anyway, judging by the antlers behind me. 
Um, I, you know, I could, I could eat, I, I, I say this, but without actually doing it, but I feel like I could eat spam out of a can for, for a week, you know, be, you know, going back to the whole, I love doing fireman shit with my fireman friends. Um, you know, you know, but I, I would probably really love the job. You know, the mental aspect would probably get me, but I know how to grip, you know, I've made it through some pretty dark shit. Um, but you know, just getting through that, just be, and again, you're around your buddies, you're around your little core family, you know, you're with your crew and that's what it's about. And for me, it's about family. And that's what I love about this, this job as a whole, um, that, that we get to be around our buddies. We get to talk and, um, but yeah, that's, that's what I got. What do you guys got? You guys got anything? Um, I mean, it's not really off topic, but like at the very top of the conversation, I remember hearing you say that you were out and, um, did you say you're originally from Oklahoma? Originally? Yes. Uh, what, whereabouts in Oklahoma? Uh, I was, I was, uh, raised up in, uh, the Western part of the state, uh, West of Oklahoma city by probably an hour, hour and 20 minutes tops. Yes. So like wheat country. Yeah. I like it only grabbed my attention because I'm I'm a Kansas boy myself. So I I come up in a little town and like well they call themselves a city just because they've got a little hospital there that kind of acts like a quick care. But <laughs> but no, I I was uh, born in Wichita, raised in Winfield, and I just remember going back and forth to Oklahoma all the time, going to Newkirk and. Yep. And the Tulsa a few times. But. Yep. Oh, yep. Tulsa. Tulsa. The but it just gra- it grabbed me. I was like, oh shit, somebody else from the same region. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. And it's not a, it's, I mean, other than the last few years, it's not like a, like an awareness of wildland fire type of place. I mean, I didn't grow up. I had no idea. I mean, like I said, this thing latch, like latched itself onto me. Uh, fire found me is what I said on the anchor point podcast. And it did in a way like I couldn't get away from it. And now I couldn't dream of being away from it. But I mean, since that program, I was one of the kind of the beta testers in my university. And since that program's launched, there's a lot of guys that have come through to, for the wildland stuff. And I think 2016, I was down in Florida uh, doing some burning um, for prescribed fire training center stuff, getting my firing boss work done. And uh, Oklahoma had those big – Oklahoma and Kansas uh, and West Texas and maybe even Nebraska. I can't remember how wide how widespread it was. But it was, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres. It was record stuff for uh, that country. So, I mean, I think, I think they're a lot more in the know of the wildland game and of, like, fire stuff and, and educated on it from experience of seeing it, you know, over the, over the hill or whatever it comes. But uh, that was a big deal, and uh, that didn't happen while I was growing up. So we had no knowledge of this like career path or, 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 or occupation. Um, and so I'm hoping, and I, and I know it has happened, but they definitely moved, moved forward and progressed and like uh, disseminating, disseminating this uh, job as, as a, as a cool gig. And uh, I hope that I've helped with that a little bit, but uh, the, the college program I went to has done a real good job since then. So I think Kansas, I mean, Kansas has always kind of been a prescribed fire type of place. I did some of my earliest career, Scrap fire there uh, up in the Horton area. I don't know if you know where that's at, up by near Lawrence um, area. 
eastern side. But um, yeah, it's it's everywhere has fire, man. I was just I was just having a, like a existential conversation with one of the crew members the other day, and I said, "Zoom out!" And the earth you're touching, everywhere you've ever touched, has probably had fire on it before humans or with humans. It doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, it's, so it's you know we're coming around to a time when you know in even Maine, you know, like whatever New York and New Jersey uh, this year and last year maybe making the sit report the national sit report for wildfires so it's a it's a natural progression of the of the earth and i think it's important and i, and I think it's important to understand it and not be scared of it but be educated about it to know how to you know how to how to help it forward and uh so i'm gonna s skip one of our basic questions because mike has reminded me of what time it is out your neck of the woods um so we're we're, we're approaching uh, crunch time um, I got an hour left. Huh? I got one. I got an hour left. I think. Oh, okay. Um, so, we're, let's talk about ass. <laughs> let's talk about ass. What do you want to know about ass? I want to know how it started. What it's. I. I mean, I already know what it stands for. Um, but for Travis and Bagels, tell them what ass stands for. Ass. The the ass movement. So. Uh, uh, anti-surface shitting movement ass so a dot s dot s uh, and on instagram that's uh, instead of the space bar or the period uh, punctuation put a underscore there and you'll find it but um, basically the ass movement is uh, a, an org let's, let's just put it in these uh, pun terms an organic grassroots level uh, thing I founded a movement I founded because I'm sick of seeing shit on the trails. I'm sick of seeing surface shit, human, by the way, surface <laughs> shit on fire lines where we got to take our gloves off and do cold trailing. Uh, and that's for firefighters and like civilians who don't know any better. It happens all the damn time. Um, but even if, even if I'm not taking my glove off and putting my hands through some black burned charcoal grass or wood or whatever uh, brush, it's, it's, it, you see, I live in Alaska where like, my my forest that I work for is a rec forest and so recreation forest so we're not like a logging forest so like our main thing our main hub is 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 all these tourists that are coming in for you know fishing and let alone the local folks we have amazing trail systems and you can walk in a lot of places especially the common areas and just basically trail and then three normal steps off the trail behind a bush or behind a any sort of vegetation or let alone like whatever it doesn't matter just get off the trail period and you're gonna see the surface shit you're gonna see the this tissue issue that i've been dealing with uh, that we've all been dealing with and so like i'm sick of it i'm tired of it i've been talking about this shit for like 10 years with no real aim about it other than just being complained about it and pissed off about it i'm, I'm sick of complaining about it so uh, i came up with the ass movement i went on the anchor point podcast and talked about it uh, and then I got my website going, and this thing has been international. I've had several sales uh, of stickers and and patches. Um, is is basically what I'm selling right now, just for awareness. And then we'll move forward with some other stuff when I get some time. But um, basically, uh, stickers and patches um, that are anti-surface shitting uh, propaganda to post up uh, on anything. <laughs> deemed necessary uh i'm not promoting this or telling you what to do but if you post it on a, a government placard or a government or local state whatever 
just put this shit up somewhere where people are getting educated because it's a it's it's disgusting it's it's horrible like uh etiquette and uh, we all deal with it i mean you can pull on a pull out on an interstate and you don't have to be near a trail and you're going to see some toilet paper that has piss on it and it's covering up maybe hopefully at least covering up the human surface turd that's laying underneath it but um yeah it's it's in alaska it it, it sucks really bad because uh as i said on uh, the anchor point pocket podcast that um you know it freezes every winter here right and like it's not like the desert where that shit dries up and eventually like turns into dust and goes away but now it's frozen and so i got i got uh john's surface turd next to the trail this year and then uh here comes the tourist named travis the next year and he shits five feet away from that and then the following year here comes mike who shits five or ten feet away from that and so now i deal with this shit my, my son's six years old and he knows how to bury his these turds man i yeah. just don't get this humanity problem i mean animals do this to a certain degree minus like pets and dogs and and some stuff but i mean even when they don't bury it they do that natural like bulldog scratch behind them where they throw yeah. grass, grass flakes Try to cover it yeah 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 but uh you know even if you don't have a shovel of pulaski or whatever you got a boot you got a stick you got rocks you got le- there's some way to cover this up where you me's and the next guys don't have and gals don't have to worry about this and so um it's taken off it's it's like i said i got folks in canada i've, I've shipped to australia new zealand uh, all i think i'm like at 30 30 some plus odd states in the u.s um that have that have at least purchased a sticker let alone giving me feedback uh, as well as, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the Meat Eater folks, uh, Steve Rinella, um, all these guys, the Meat Eater crew. Um, I sent them some stuff, and they reposted it. Giannis Patelis, the producer of that whole deal. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's growing, man, and, and I think it's a, a sweet deal. But the fire community, for sure, is like a community that gives a fuck about that and like that wants to, you know, that wants to flush this tissue issue, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not that freaking hard. Um, while you're talking, I'm like, how ha- fucking hard is it to put your heel of your boot, just drag it a couple of times, and you got a little little fucking thing, squat, take your shit, and take the same boot and just cover it back up. It's not hard. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had to fucking take a shit in somewhere. You know, we. I think, Mike, I think we we know a guy who can't go to a fucking – call without having a fucking oh man i gotta take a shit you know (laughs) it's i mean this these this this is like a third world homelessness problem on the trail i mean i was in memphis back when i was working on the shawnee national forest i was in memphis just for like days off having fun going to see some blues music and i had some buddies in town uh that were from oklahoma visiting me some guys i grew up with and we're walking through this parking garage in downtown memphis on beale street and all of a sudden there's this in the stairwell of this thing is like this homeless person's feces plus this was the funny part one piece of paper from a uh like a three by five or a three by four flip over spiral notepad worth <laughs> of wipe you know like he put one notebook paper worth it that was it and it was disgusting man and so it's like that's what we're dealing with on the trail uh, so to speak, it's, it's, this, this is a third world problem. And this is like just an uneducated thing and, and ignorance. Like 
do these people need to be shot? But do they, no, but do they need to be humorously shamed in a way? See this sticker for sure. A- absolutely. Um, so I, I, I wanted to bring that up uh, before we end the show. Um, but that is awesome. I mean, it's basically like, <laughs> it's also, it also kind of asks the question, like you wouldn't go out and shit in your friend's backyard and just leave it there. Would you? Well, I mean, no. I don't know. If, you're, if you need to shit outside, fucking bury it. It seems like it's, it should be common sense. It just, that's what, it kind of rocked me a little bit. I'm like, people actually do that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's military, they have their five gallon Home Depot buckets with the uh, asshole hole cut out of it. And guess Shit in a bag. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> Or they, if they're out on a patrol, they dig a hole, put the bucket down, and shit, and then cover the fucking hole. It's not hard. Oh yeah, and and like I, you won't find a firefighter, at least wildland firefighter, that's like, you know, there's the leave no trace wilderness stuff, um, where you 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 pack it out. Like you won't find a fire guy doing that, man. You will not, uh, whether it, whether properly trained and un and, and uninitiated they still will leave it out there. Okay. So like I, I get the leave no trace and I get the, uh, the wilderness aspect, but no, you, most human beings in my particular profession and in my particular experience, at least, I don't know anybody. And I, I can look at all you mother, mother lovers in the face and I can tell you're not going to be carrying your own. You're not going to poop in a sack and carry it out. You're not going to poop on the ground and pick it up with a, with a sack around your hand grab it and and then put it tied around the back of your day pack and carry that stuff out it's not going to happen i mean we're, it, it's ridiculous to think plus like what are you harming with organic material material nitrogen buried into the earth that's a positive in a, in a way if you're using the right paper right i mean i'm not gonna go out and i mean i've had shit before Couple times, have multiple times. You know, you're when you're out hunting. I do. There is one thing I do keep in my fucking pack, and that's a roll of toilet paper. I have taken the cardboard thing out and I have stuffed it in there. I even have a roll in my in my wildland pack. Yep. Um, I've even had to use that on the emergency situations, but I've never had to shit on the fire grounds. But if I ever do, I'm I'm burying it because I'm not a I'm I'm smart. Yeah, and don't do it in the black. I mean, that's another like yeah. goal, goal for us is like, don't piss, don't 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 do your number two in the black because chances are somebody's gonna have to come to that ground later and put their hands in it. And now, what have you done? You know. I will say, I was actually on um, a department where a train track rolls through, and that they get pretty heavy fire that starts there. While we were waiting for water, none of us thought about bringing a, a water pack in and uh, I had to piss. I pissed on the fire. Went out. Um, but Probably smelt, but hey. Really? It, it was, I had to go. And the fire was coming towards me. I'm, I had to pee. Well, I hate to say this, but I feel like we're talking about waterfalls and running faucets. So I might need to take a little TV time out real quick. And I think we should touch on some Alaska stuff when I, when I come back. Absolutely. I got to make a pet stop myself. Cool. And we're back. Quick, quick, quick commercial break. And uh, um, so to wrap this up, let's talk some Alaskan shit. Cool. What do you want to know, man? Um, well, obvi- 
Wait, hang on. Which which part of the year are you? Are you the uh, six months of daytime or six months of n- nighttime? You mean as far as my uh, personal interests? I'm a – and I, I don't – so, like, down here where I'm at, it's uh, – we get probably 20 hours of sunlight in, uh, you know, let's say summer solstice at peak. Yep. Uh, usually June, right around now, June 22, June 21. Um, and, uh, and uh, of course, inversely is uh, December 22 or 21 uh, for winter. Uh, I, I do find as a wildland dude who, you know, I, I, I typically work all winter because I seek extra work um, up here. But I do find for like getting back to rest that that stuff helps, man. Uh, there's a lot of people that have a hard time dealing with the, uh, in Dave Chappelle uh, terms, the darkness. But um, most most folks are somewhat used to it. Um, but if you're new up here, it does affect it does affect everybody a little different. And then in springtime, I will say, like um, as far as mental health goes, <clears throat> for locals, like that's the time when the the mentally unhealthy come out of the woodworks, and you'll and you know it may not happen this year. But I've had times when people have worked, wandered into our district work center where like our engine bay and stuff is. Uh, one dude, I thought he might have been tripping acid, and um, uh, he's in a trench coat and he won't make eye contact. Some really weird things. And one of my employees comes up to me as I'm in the office. He's like, hey, you got to come out the engine bay. Uh, there's a dude out here who won't leave. And I'm like, well, did you try telling him to leave? And he's like, yeah, of course I did. And I was like, okay, I'll come help, whatever. I get out there and the dude's looking at like brass. He's looking at fittings and, uh, you know, gated wise and stuff. Just real weird. Which nobody, who goes, who, who shows up? this like and we're rural dude like we're out in the we're six miles from the nearest town that town's like a hundred people so uh he and and then we're 30 minutes from the coast of this town called seward uh that is you know a town of 2500 but that swells in the summer because of the because of the cruises and stuff uh and fishing but neither here nor there this guy that shows up in springtime before you know all these people are allegedly uh, accounted for in the population he shows up in, in spring and at our engine bay and he's uh acting weird i'm like hey man what's up can i help you and he's and he says um blah, 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 blah. i was like what's that and he's you can't understand him and you guys you guys deal with a lot more medicals like i that's not my that's not my game in fact like I can't handle that. Like I can be in the moment and take care of a, of a situation, but it's going to really affect me afterwards if I got to see red stuff. And um, so this dude's, this dude's in the engine bay. And so this, these aren't the th- type of things that we're used to no- dealing with, right? We're super objective ego type of people, not ego, but ego secure type of people. Like that's what, that's how we, that's how we validate stuff in a way. And so this dude it, can I help. And he says, I can't understand him. And I'm like, okay. Um, I, I was like, why don't I? I think I cleared my seasonal zaps. Like, you guys go do something. I don't want you to deal with this, or, or like, if something gets weird. And so uh, I'm like, are you okay? Do you need medical help? And he said, I mean, I can't. Why don't I situation? And why don't I walk you off the off our compound? Um, and you know, whatever. So I start to walk him and I, um, as I'm walking him, all I'm doing is like gathering intel on this dude is just like observing with my five senses, the way he's acting and he's acting real shady. He won't like, he's getting, 
imagine if you walked up on Ted Kaczynski and he's in a raincoat and he might have something under his coat. You don't know. And uh, he shows up to your place. He's not trying to cause real trouble, but at the same time, you never know if he's going to get defensive and really cause him. So I'm walking this guy on like this decent, I mean, it's a driveway of a road, but it's probably, I bet it's a good solid 800 feet length of a good road. So I'm walking him and I kind of, I was only going to walk him halfway and I ended up walking him the whole way. And so um, get him out and I'm like, okay, you're free little dove go. Uh, you injured, you injured bird. And he just slowly like acts like he doesn't want to leave. He's looking back at me. He starts walking away. Immediately I walk back super calm and I call our LEOs, our law enforcement officers. And I say, Hey, Mr. Uh, Forest Service LEO guy. Uh, there's this guy came into the bay. He just came out of the woodworks. Typical thing, I think. I can't tell if he's tripping acid, if he's mentally ill, but uh, he is walking down the highway, which is a super dangerous highway. We get we get fatalities every like this number top three in, in the nation, the Seward Highway. Look it up. And so um, he's walking down this highway, which I knew I was leading him to the Pacific Ocean with potential tropical storms. Like he's walking down the dangerous highway. Um, but I had to get rid of him. And so I called LEO and I said, Hey, yo, this is what's going on. This guy, I think he's tripping acid or he's mentally ill. And they pick him up with the state troopers. He just got released from this mental institution down the croc Dundee knife in his sleeve, like from elbow down to wrist style. Like you call that a knife. Now this is a knife type of scenario. Uh, 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 like on, on his coat. And so like, I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm not saying this is a violent person, but who knows how a cat gets cornered and then shows its claws, right? And so, you know, that kind of stuff is, is, is normal in a certain degree, you expect it. But um, the, the darkness, the light, you deal with it. it. It dictates what kind of garden you can grow. Like I'm definitely not growing that salsa garden I was growing in Nevada or New Mexico. I mean, we're like potatoes and lettuce and spinach, but, um, I will say like it, it it's it's really cool on fire you know back to fire stuff like it's really cool to be ha have that length of time because what it does is it makes mornings a lot more laid back to know that uh, at 2300 is when you're going to get off shift rather than 2100 or or 2000 you know like in California or some of these states when you get into like uh uh July and August when, when or especially August September when 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 daylight starts running out so we run we run 16 hour days typically uh we we work from 07 to 2300 on fires most of the time so that 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 first hour and so a typical i'll just break this down to you a, a typical fire in the bush what you guys would see is alaska in your minds from what you've probably seen on reality tv shows that i have no idea you're referencing in your own minds uh, but you, as you're referencing that, you're, you're seeing the black spruce and all that stuff. That's that's typical interior black spruce and white spruce. And uh, our timber is those two are our main fire producing uh, fuels for timber. And then um, we have cottonwood, aspen, and hemlock. Uh, all three of those don't really want to burn. So we don't do uh, you know the the title of this meeting is digging line. We don't dig line up here. Nope. Because of, it's all fro it's all uh it's all lichen moss for the most part. We do have grass, but there's no line dug. It's all plumbed. It's all 
done with a Mark III uh, pump, and then you supply a whole, a whole, uh, you know, even larger fires in the thousands of acres get ringed and wrapped with hose. Uh, so you have a Mark III pump laying at a lake, and then on the other side or another division, you might have another Mark III at that lake, uh, you know, uh, two or three miles away that's wrapping this other part, but it's all wrapped. It's not, um, it's not, it's not like in California, Oregon, Washington, even, you know, Nevada stuff. You don't dig this line to stop the fire. You cut, what you do is you cut really wide swaths of, uh, of a saw line, uh, which is a, which is a learning curve for a lot of the folks coming up to help us, uh, which ends up being a, a stumbling block. It ends up being sometimes it can hurt relationships in a way because a lot of these guys, you know, you get hotshot crews coming up here that are very capable for everything. And uh, in Alaska, they're demanded to be like, yo, you're mopping up today. And that's not maybe what they're used to or maybe what they're looking forward to, but that's a part of the game up here. It's like you mop up and you mop up longer. Um, you're digging. So when you, when, when you do find a hot spot, let's say we've got a little short squad here with uh, John, Mike and Travis and myself and I'm the squad boss and I say hey this is the chunk of ground we got we've got uh you know a half a mile of ground here that we've got to try to get 10 feet of what we call mo uh, secured mop-up line so we go through and we start real small and we do 10 feet of line mopping it up touching it like we talked about earlier with our bare hands and when we find something we find some heat um then we pull that heat out we dig a hole basically, and we pull that heat out in Alaska, is it burns deep and goes lateral as if uh, you're, you're drilling for natural gas or your, or your, or your uh, uh, whatever they call it, fracturing for natural gas, and they go lateral. So what happens with fire here is uh, it smolders in the duff, it smolders in the lichen, in the moss, and then, uh, you know, where Mike's located, on you know for what we got for our panel here i've got you guys from uh, left to right on top i might be on the right flank of the fire on a small fire and he says my line's secure but he didn't like do any real cold trailing and digging and, and get in there and mop everything up hardcore and now travis did all all that all three of us did all that but now mike's side gets wind and then it moves laterally not just underground and duff and smolders but imagine rotten wood how it smolders for days that's how you know, natives carried fire in a way and kept a fire going. That's what happens up here. So now we all leave. Mike, Mike said his ground was secure. Uh, and then we leave it over to, let's say it was a type three incident and now downscales to type four, to type five. And now some type five IC who's local ends up with this incident uh, that might've been a 50 acre fire, or a 10 acre fire. And Mike's side, was, all of our sides, we said, we're good. We got to go back to the States. See you later. Thanks for the cool little fire vacation of an assignment. It was awesome. And uh, we think we did a great job for you. And they probably think they did. And, and, and most of the time they did do a good job. But what happens is it's, it's, uh, it's one little punky piece of that rotten wood that starts the whole fire back up again, you know, the size of a dime on Mike's side that he missed because he's human. And so, uh, it ends up, it ends up being like, uh, I don't know, part of the suffer up here for sure. When you come up here from the lower 48, you're going to get drilled into that in your head, just like you would in the great basin. Like, yo, don't leave your engine. This is flashy fuels. Let's do mobile. You got to monitor, monitor and roll. Okay. Ask it becomes a, it, it can become a, 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 a 
a stumbling block in a, in a way, at least mentally. But um, beside that, like stopping the fire, like once again, we're not digging a, a dirt line plus like limbing up trees. We're cutting power line, link, or width of, of saw line. You know, you might have 200 feet wide or 100 feet wide of saw line because the way our shit works. So we don't do the digging line. We, we don't do all that stuff. We don't, uh, we, we do use beaters for like initial attack. If there's a, you know, one to three to four linked flame link, one to three to four foot flame link, uh, you can use what's called a beater. Basically that's, uh, what we would, what some in the South would call a, a flapper. Um, it's the, it's the, basically imagine the international truck mud flap on a pole. Okay, for for you guys down south, but for us, it's uh, imagine some unique Alaskan smoke jumper who's highly creative and highly effective in being creative, and who has seen a problem and conquered the problem in his mind, and he cuts that mud flap up in uh, width lengths. So imagine you cutting sideways on that mud flap, putting it on a PVC pole that extends with a uh with a pin in it that you can lock in there right so you can extend this pvc pole and basically what you're doing uh and then you put that you put these three to three inch two inch links or one inch width of a cut uh laterally on this pole to beat stuff out and um that works well in that moss and tundra stuff but um we don't use we do use heavy equipment but we don't use those to dig line like they do in the south or like they do out west what we do do is walk trees down so our, our tree roots because of the permafrost we don't get the big tap roots um so you get a fire coming through and now you're accruing that fire mopping up you got to worry about black spruce and white spruce getting blown over and jack strong and and knocking down and potentially uh you know uh having to mitigate for your crew but with a dozer what you can do on, on as far as the line if you're going to burn out is you can walk stuff down that term. And that means uh, you got a dozer come in and basically he's got his blade, uh, maybe where you might put your saw cut through a tree. Uh, so maybe need a, need a head height, height for that dozer uh, as far as like for perspective goes. And he's pushing these trees just all down in front of him and driving over them. And what that does is now, now instead of having to have a crew come in and cut that line, all the trees are on the ground uh, if you're a dozer and you're scraping ground right so we're, we're lifting earth like you would anywhere else and there's sand or or topsoil under there that's stable and fine and okay you're not creating a huge problem you still have to rehab that later after the fire's gone by but uh, in alaska if you do that uh, if you if you're pushing earth two days later you'll have a, a straight ass river for as far as you can see, depending on how that dozer line, how long it was, but um, the permafrost melts and you're, and you're basically affecting the eco ecology of that location, as well as like this, how many thousand years old of ice that is four to five, six, eight, ten 10 foot deep, uh, you know, as, as far as when you find it under the, under the surface, it all turns into water, which turns into a quagmire and muddy hole that is no longer walkable. There's a lot of different crazy things and um and definitely definitely the sunlight you know swinging back around to that the sunlight takes a big effect because you know in in western states your typical like build up hours are from like two to four or four to six or three to five or something like that you know like your hottest part of the day 
up here for us, it's, it's late. So we'll, we'll like our active periods of the day, you know, the mornings can be slow because you got time to make your coffee and have your radio briefings by proxy. We don't get in these big groups. It's already like COVID mitigated by nature because of the isolation. And so we'll have radio briefings at like eight in the morning. So you wake up at seven, get your dinner cooked over or your breakfast cooked over the fire. You get dressed, whatever you need to do, yada, yada. And uh, eight o'clock morning briefing over the radio, typically on a standard fire in the bush. Um, and, and, and during that process, that hour you're cooking by like eight 30, maybe not even, and you know, in some cases, sometimes nine, but maybe by eight 15, eight 30, eight 45, you're hitting line, you're moving to go out and taking your water with you. But, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game and you're, you're a lot more self-reliant and you're a lot, uh, more susceptible and capable uh, in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very similar here. I mean, we don't, the fire doesn't burn down like, like it would out in California. I mean, my, I mean, I've heard my dad talk about, you know, where he's been on a fire and it's crowned. And I mean, he'll say that's the scariest fucking thing he's ever been in his life. Um, but you know, but it, it, this time of year, it just, it just burns surfacely it, and it's up. And I'm like, ah, well, it's just going to burn the surface. It's just surface firing. I can't tell if that's fireworks or gunshots. I can't tell. It's that time of year. Um, Hood may never know. Exactly. Um, but I hear the little the little fizzle. So it's fireworks it's down on the pond. Um, but getting off topic, squirrel. Um, but yeah, it, the fires here just don't burn down. I mean, it's. I mean, the last the brush fire that I was just on. I mean, it burned down maybe like a quarter of an inch. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then, then my little radar starts going off. And I'm like, I'm not safe with us leaving here yet, Air Chief or Cap. It was actually a captain who was in charge of the incident. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, we need to – and then it started to flare up again like a little bit over. And I'm like, I did a pretty thorough walk around. I didn't see any smoke. Just as we were getting ready to leave, it started to flare up. And I'm like – Yep. No, we, we got to go. We got to do a little bit more digging just to make me feel comfortable. And it's yeah. exactly that. I show up on a, on a brush fire and um, it's happened twice since I've been on this department. I showed up to the la this last brush fire and the brush fire that I had to walk through the swamp. I showed up and they're like, this is yours. Go to the head of the fire. Tell me what you need. Um, Cause everybody i i talk i'm very open about this uh i i just i don't know why but it's just my thing um that's what makes the three of us kind of cool we each have our little thing that we're interested in and uh but yeah when i was they're like yeah take pictures of the entire fire i'm like okay so i did i i was like like a little kid in the candy shop just taking pictures of the fire and it, it literally wasn't very big i i could walk around it in like 30 seconds but yeah. it it was just stumps and just tall grass it was just shit yeah. um but yeah i i'm waiting for that that a good decent size fire to to really get my rocks off on um yeah um, and and up here too like last year we had a pretty like next door, we had the big swan fire. That I don't, I'm sure it made somewhat of national news, but um, that socked in my whole community. Like I, I had the, um, so I told you earlier, 
I haven't worked officially for the Fish and Wildlife Service other than uh, uh, partnerships type of stuff uh, via my unit. But uh, they asked me to put a smoke. So you're talking about cancer earlier. They asked me to put a smoke uh, monitor, basically a, a air weather monitor uh, on my house. And I live right basically on the river. Um, I've got a house, like my deck is on stilts. I got a sweet ass, as you can tell, custom log cabin here. Um, with full amenities. So don't feel bad for me at all. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, so I've got this thing in like normal numbers are like 100 or something or 80 or 90 for the scale to see, so you can picture this in your mind. Uh, and, and our, my, that sensor was pulling out like 600s, 700s. So you, you, you say certain stuff and, and I want to get back more to last stuff, but I do want to touch up on the cancer thing. Yeah. Like um, you, you say stuff about, yeah. uh, you know, wildland. The thing is, is you feel like sometimes you feel like a member of the military, like what's this agent orange doing to us in your mind? Because you guys have to, we're talking about facial hair for the folks that aren't watching and can't see this. All three of these structure assholes have mustaches and I've got super long curly hair and a huge beard. And we were talking about uh, how I can't, I, I refuse to shave uh, out of principle. Um, but at the same time, you guys have to shave, but you have, you get to protect your lungs. Whereas I don't have to shave, but I don't get to protect my lungs. And so there's all, there's all these PM 2.5s, which I'm sure you guys are all aware of as far as terminology goes, all these micro, uh, I don't know what you, what you would call them, but micro carcinogens for lack of better terminology. And I took a prescribed fire burning class. Uh, I'm RXB2 trainee, which means I can do decent sized broadcast burns uh, as a trainee. I'm not signed off, but um, in the future when that, when that happens, I'll get to do some decent burns. Um, and so one of the biggest things is smoke management. So you take this class and I remember them just saying all these things like, you know, handkerchiefs don't mean, don't mean Jack. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, you can cover your shirt with your mouth or cover your mouth with your shirt. And it doesn't mean anything because there's, you're inhaling these things. Uh, and even you're and even when you aren't, so that, let's put this into some, um, <clears throat> decent cultural, uh, convenient time talk here, right? We're talking about all these things, these carcinogens or, germs or whatever it is you may not be breathing that shit in but at best you're not breathing it in but your skin's absorbing it so like you guys you guys are fully enclosed basically minus the ebola duct tape around the wrists right like you guys don't worry i mean yeah the the folks that dealt with the post 9 11 shit with uh, the dust right those guys were exposed that's us in a way yep. but um, we're, we're learning these things, just like the psychological stuff, just like the men, men, mental, like toll. We're learning that the physical toll too is it's it's there. Um, and none of us, none of us, none of us want to shave. None of us want to wear a mask. I mean, it's too hot anyway. We're outside doing these things. You guys are, you you guys are masked up for however many minutes to hours each time, and I get it, and it, it's purposeful because that you won't find a wildland guy like on firestorm that's going to run into a fucking house you won't find it 
we don't do that. That's not our goal. And we're all scared of that. And that's why we respect you guys. You know, I, I, I honestly commonly tell anybody around me, like, I'm thankful for the structure guys because they're looking after my family while I'm going out to the woods to stop that shit before it, before it gets to any of our families. You know what I mean? And, and I'm thankful for that, but we're at, we're at, we're at another, I mean, we're at risk too. I mean, we're not having ceilings or roofs caving in on us or backdrafts or whatever happens, but over time, I mean, I, there's a lot of us that don't live very long and there's a lot of us that end up with cancer. There's a lot of us that are learning nowadays to wash your yellows. There's a lot of us that are learning like, you know, in the old days, if we're, if us for a prescribed fire crew and you have to breathe in smoke, tough titties, man, get used to it. Like suck it up, buttercup. That's a part of it. And now we're learning like rotate your guys out, take care of your folks, which I've always been on board with. I don't, I don't subscribe to like the wuss mentality. Like, yo, you have to look after your guys or you're not going to get 14 days out of them. I had a conversation the other day with somebody about uh, two pounds, two pounds, three pounds, it was two or three pounds about a saw. That doesn't make much difference on two days though, right? You're carrying a, let's say you got to pack that saw for two miles, three miles. We're talking about saw size, uh, you know, as you get into like 361 or two versus the 460 or something in still, in still uh, manufacturer's terms. And so we're talking about pounds. And so like there's a common term in wildland, right? Where we're hiking on our boots all day long and on our feet and like our backs and our knees are our money makers. And uh, uh, ounces make pounds. That's the common term. And so now I'm talking to these guys who've been in fire. One of them still is in fire. And we're talking about two or three pounds. That ain't a big deal for two or three days. But it's a big deal after 14, 15, 16 days. But if we get past them, you got to get past the machoistic, the macho, the machismo mentality of like, yo, dude, like I've been there. It sucks. Like I've done it. And can I handle it? Yeah. And can you handle it? Most likely. But am I going to get the best product? It's like, it's like you've always been told a happy worker makes a better worker. I'm not like just talking about feelings. I'm talking about physicalities. And, 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 and when your body's broken in day 10 and I need you on day 14 still, two or three pounds is a big deal. And so uh, there's a lot of things that go into that stuff. But, uh, you know, we're, 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 I, think, I think we're moving in the right direction about taking care of folks and, and doing all that stuff we talked about earlier. Yeah, uh, but I would like to talk more about Alaska if you have any like specifics or whatever, and I can I can dive into some other stuff too as far as um, you know typical bushfire or whatever whatever you guys want to know. Yeah, I, I mean just kind of piggybacking off of you, I I re actually remember last year re last summer reading an article about how the microcarcinogens are making their way into wildland firefighters and they're finding little almost like. <laughs> like little honeycombs on their lot on firefighter wildland firefighters lungs thing popcorn is what is what is that what yeah. described as. i couldn't remember the exact terminology because it was you know 365 days ago and i can't remember sometimes what i had for breakfast on saturday um but it's it was very an interesting article and i was like god damn you know i never would have thought of that in the uh in the one time i've ever uttered this words so i was like holy shit nickelback was on to something um you know they made a wildland video you know they made they careful had, mike shaking his head at you for bringing up nickelback i know i know i had yeah but it kind of ties into this conversation but like you watch this like video and it's like two dudes on a wildland fire and they got like 
Scott packs on with masks on. I'm like, who the fuck wears a Scott pack on a fire line? And reading out in that article, I'm like, holy shit, Chad Kroger was onto something. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, I mean, there's none, none of us signing up to shave. I mean, even with what we know, but at the same time, we're not going to be, it's like, it's like, it's like the COVID stuff. You go to the post office and they got some fucking visqueen or some uh, ceramic wrap up above in some sort of like protecting you versus me if this is a computer screen, right? It's like, dude, if, if, if it's your time to get sick, you're going to get sick. You know, I, I don't think uh, these things are going to save you. However, there are, so that's the way, that's the way we think, I, I think as a culture in my line of work, and I'm, de- I'm definitely being general and overarching, like uh, speaking for the crowd, but collective, but I do think it's common for us to be like, yo, this is, this is, I know that risk. I can keep myself out of the smoke or I can keep my crew out of the smoke. I'm not shaving. I'm not wearing these things, but there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those. I mean, whether you're cutting a tree or driving down the highway after 10 hours of being awake or driving already, there's, there's, it's what we talked about earlier. There's risk, risk management that comes into play um so and that's and that's something we take serious in the ak because we're so remote i mean we go we're expected to be two or three days i mean for a suppression crew we're i mean for everybody really expect to be three days self-sufficient so they can helicopter us into a fire and um we got food we got whatever we need to be ready to go for the next three days and that includes med gear and for miners like blisters or cuts or whatever and um and then in three or four days we get a fresh food box hopefully if it's an incident you know and 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 you know order order a shotgun for bears whatever it takes i mean there's these things are all like just adapt and overcome for us yeah it's pretty much uh, fit whatever you can in your mystery ranch pack mystery ranch way to way to plug mystery ranch yeah those guys are good man i i, I that you said that those guys are solid. I, I've got some good. I got some good. Mystery trying ranch. to figure out a way to plug them because all I could see is Mystery Ranch hat, Mystery Ranch shirt. I'm like, how am I gonna plug Mystery Ranch? Yeah, I was kind of looking at that too. I was like, what does that say? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. they're uh, they're solid. I mean, even outside, yeah, exactly. Even outside of fire, like talking to my uh, like the visitor center front desk for us, and she was like. She's from, uh, she might, not from Brooklyn, but she's from New York. She's got the, she sounds like, you guys remember Adam Sandler back in the day? There was that bit. How old are you guys? In mid-30s, late-30s? Uh, we're, uh, I'm in my early 30s. I think I'm out of the three, oldest one. Okay, but you know the Eastern accent, so this like New England, East Coast accent. And so she's, she sees yep. me, and I didn't have this hat on. I had another Mystery Ranch hat on. And she goes, those folks at Mystery Ranch are great. You know, and she's talking to me about it. And uh, I'm like, yeah, they're super good, dude. And, and so I was, I was talking to him. And she's like, I love, and this is somebody from the Forest Service, like, who has no ties in with any of this stuff. She's not even, she has no clue about fire other than her son's a firefighter, you know, and somewhat new at it, like, in the last three years. Um, and he's, he's a cool dude. But uh, this lady is this the Forest Service lady for her whole life kind of deal. She's probably in her 60s, and she's telling me about all Mystery Ranch stuff. And they're so great to deal with with the market, you know, when I go to orders. Anyway, yada, yada. But uh, they are cool. And so I told the story about the, the sweepstakes I did for the smoke jumper up here in AK who had a, you know, a misfortune uh, with his health. And um, 
and she's like, I'm going to cry. You know, like wanted to cry. It was crazy. But the, the Mystery Ranch folks, they're super cool dudes. They're trying to do a, they're trying to do a, a scholarship at what, what we call 1039. Uh, and, and, and Anchor Point's been plugging that stuff. But I'm happy to be kind of like on the unofficial insight on some of that stuff. But they're going to do a 1039 temporary employee like scholarship. So if, so if Travis is a is a one of our temps and he's trying to get the get his college degree done so he can work his way up the ladder in fire and wildland fire, um, Mystery Ranch is going to throw a bone in some of that stuff. And and they're also doing some uh, really cool stuff of, of of storytelling as well. They're, they're, that's what's cool about wildland fire, man. And it's the same thing with with you guys. You guys got like Chief Miller and all those type of dudes that are propping you guys up and, and they're doing a great job um mystery ranch is like batting for some of the wildland fire folks and even better some of the lower lower level folks which um you know ever it seems like leadership's the ones that always get the big plugs right like if you're a if you got three stripes or some brass on your collar you're the one that gets the love and you only get that love because those dudes underneath you have have made you look that good in a way or at least followed you and trusted you and I think uh, it's really neat to see a, a company that has nothing to do with anything other than like they make wildland fire packs, try to honor the folks that make the leaders look cool. And I think that's a cool deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're definitely one of the, one of those packs that I'm like, I always have my eye on. I'm like, God damn, I want one of them packs. Um, Cause they just, they're, they're useful. They're actually useful. They actually give you this. They actually give a shit about the space that you actually need. It, you know, just from what I've read and I'm like, God damn, I need one of them. Um, yeah, they make great packs. I mean, hunting day packs, whatever. They're, they're legit. Even suitcases. If you need a suitcase. Yeah. yeah um, for sure. But we're now, now it's crunch time. Um, so we'll, we'll start wrapping things up and you got any, you got any last minute, uh, Budweiser hot seat, six pack of Coors Light, cold, hard questions, anything. Uh, Steven about Alaska. <laughs> um, I, I don't have anything. Steve, uh, Mike, Travis, I almost called you Steve. <laughs> they pretty much hit on everything I was going to ask. Yeah. Honestly. One way or another, they, you hit on everything that I have. Um, again, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story with us. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's keep in touch fellas. Uh, I'll send you guys some uh, ass movement swag. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's the take home is like the firewild.com with, uh, the ass movement stickers available there. Like that's my main message. Um, humbly spoken, like if, if nothing else, I want to, I want to promote that. So Travis, Mike and John don't have to see your shit for the listeners. See your shit with toilet paper wrapped up in it on their trails or their haunts or their fire line when then whenever, uh, John gets to get his rocks off and get on a wildland fire. I would hate for him to have to just hold and put his hands in a big turd. Yeah. It's good for him. But um <laughs> yeah, uh the ass movement, look it up and then um yeah, whatever. At booze and fire on Instagram is where you can find me. Message me if you got any questions. Yeah. Um I was actually just gonna say the same thing. Um I'll uh, I'll DM you later um, asking you for your address so I can send you out some some stickers. We're actually uh, getting a fresh order of I want you to give a shit about your job, give a shit about the job. Um, you know, we took our our logo and made him into a character, and uh, we kind of took the Uncle Sam thing and you know took the whole thing I want you thing and 
you know, and that's the whole thing. And everybody's like, holy shit, that's a good idea. I can't believe I never thought of it. Uh, he's going to be our Eddie. Yeah. Um, we're, we're huge Iron Maiden fans, the three of us. And so we kind of turned him into a character like Iron Maiden did. And, uh, now we start, now we have t-shirts and I mean, it's, it's slow going, but uh, we're not in it to make money. We're in it to, to promote the thing and give back, um, give back to the, the fire community. And that includes wildland. I mean, one of, I think one of the ideas that we were tossing around was, was giving back to some, one of the two major wildland uh, foundations and including the Eric Marsh foundation was with some of the profits. So, um, so yeah. So again, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story with us. It was so, it was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, Travis, Mike, John, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, if you guys ever need anything, hit me up. Hit me up uh, anytime. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you got. Throw me. And um, also, if uh, you guys need any fillers later, let me know. Uh, I don't feel like I feel like we talked about a lot of good topics, but I feel like I could keep going. I mean about Alaska fighting fire and, and, and all kinds of things. I think we covered some real cool ground, but um, I, I think there's a lot of other stuff that could be covered and needs to be covered as well. But I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for putting the ladder across as the bridge um, from the structure uh, metaphor there. Uh, you guys cross the canal there. Uh, that's, that's cool. And uh, I appreciate all the structure guys out there that show up on the wildfires and help us out. And that goes for the, uh, Maddox too, which is a big, big deal in our world to have uh, some dialed fire folks that uh, at least know what fire means and know what that uh, psychological struggle is and, and the camaraderie with that, but also to provide uh, some high quality healthcare on the line, which is a huge damn deal for us. And it's growing and uh, we appreciate you guys as well. So thank you so much. You are very welcome. Um, so yeah, I think this is a good wrap up point. So and you already plugged Chief Miller for us, so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, again, thanks, thanks, man, for coming on. And uh, we'll wrap this up. And, and uh, yeah, so look for it in about two weeks, and we'll, uh, we'll tag you in it. And then you can pull, uh, share it on, your, uh, on the yeah. movement page and your page, and um, we'll uh, get your word out there. For sure. Thanks, thanks, thanks again, guys. Let's uh, keep in touch for sure. Absolutely, man. Yeah night or great afternoon <laughs> oh good night it's night uh, right. send, me, send me your uh dm me your address and stuff i'll send you guys some shit all right awesome thank you all right john travis mike take care boys cheers all right stay safe